welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Today I have Daniel Ipa of The Coup Project. Um, I saw him on Instagram about four weeks ago and I've been following him ever since. Um, we had a great conversation uh, about uh, mental health, mental fitness, physical, physical fitness, strength training, um, laying foundations for your family. Um, we, we get into a little bit of, uh, you know, negative impact of tourism in Hawaii. Um, uh, we talk about life in general, um, being a, uh, being a good, a good father, um, laying those foundations that you, that are necessary for us to have, um, to be positive, uh, influences in our, in our, in lives in general and we just talk about being kind like kindness gets brought up um a few times and just you know reaching out and being kind to people because we don't know what they're going through uh we don't know if how they're suffering and you know just reaching out uh you know reaching out your hand and offering a, a word of encouragement uh we talk about um feelings especially in polynesian men and how we can express those feelings and you know down downplaying what we were taught about real men don't don't give out your feelings and express them um but i hope you guys enjoy this podcast i'll link everything in the show notes to the coup project and daniel's page um uh very grateful that he he came on and um you guys get to hear about his story I encourage you to visit his website, his YouTube page, his Instagram. I'll link all that in the show notes. I'll link it in the Instagram page. Um, don't forget to go out and subscribe, listen, rate, and review uh, the podcast. We always appreciate it across all platforms. Um, we also look for suggestions uh, for guests that you guys want to see. Or uh, not see, but hear. Um just go to chihu podcast at gmail.com or you dm me on the uh the instagram page uh everything's much appreciated oh also um follow uh the coup project on uh podcast um i'll link also link that in the show notes but thank you guys again thank you for uh following and listening uh, very much appreciated um till next time background on yourself yeah um you know name is daniel aipa born and raised kailua oahu and then um you know athlete all my life played sports every, every single almost every sport you can think of i played basically um went to high school really got into um sports even more so uh especially football you know, I was a, I was actually a, an offensive lineman. Oh, really? Yeah, I was a center, and um, my junior year I got um, all star as a center. So I was five eight, one seventy on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but then I, I got started getting a lot of people, um, a lot of colleges, uh, reaching out to me because of that. But when they heard that I was an offensive lineman, they're like, "Oh wait, you're like not what we're thinking about," you know. So then, um, but then that was my junior year, and my senior year actually got um, kicked out of my high school. Oh. And then that kind of was like a, a big turn because all the calls stopped, you know, like it was like a big thing. 
And then when I went to college, it was um, basically I was not into sports. All my friends were like, hey, you should just come play. You know, like the football team's looking for for you or baseball team wants you to play. And I was like, no, nah, I'm done with that. You know, I was I was kind of like the, that kind of that downward turn for me, you know, um, like losing my identity and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, but building up from there, I always grew up in a pretty um, Hawaiian cultural family. You know, um, my parents are actually the ones who told me to leave the islands because it would be better better for me if I did. So um, as much as I fought against them about that, they my dad was like, get on the plane and get out of here. You know, like you have to leave. Yeah. Um, because he saw that, you know, I wasn't getting, especially from that experience, I wasn't growing more. I was kind of like stifling myself, you know. So he's like, you need to go out and experience more. Um, and uh, yeah, so then. Uh, I just remember freshman year, I was passing out towels to the athletes. So it's kind of like, you know, it was even more so like I used to be those athletes. I used to be playing the sports and everything. And here I was cleaning the athlete stuff and wiping down all their sweat and everything. And uh, the strength coach walked in and he was from Maui. And he asked me, like, what are you doing? And I was just like, oh, I'm um, just working. And basically he introduced me to strength conditioning, you know, and it kind of just built up from there to being a coach, to learning more about my culture, to want to like involve all that stuff into it. So, and then cool project came along the way. Yeah. So. And that's, I, I found you on Instagram and I, I kind of took a, took a following to it because it, it seemed very, very straightforward and yeah. very um, positive. Yeah. And you talk, and we talk um, about, culture and community and i think that's one thing that um i'm refinding as i've gotten into this podcast is finding uh culture and community to you know things that were forgotten or lost and i'm seeing now i see the greater importance for it because and i've talked about it before i have so my wife's cuban and I have four children now, and they're mm-hmm. only a quarter someone. And I am, and I have this fear that they're going to lose their culture and their identity. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that's kind of something that has always kept me um, from diving more into my culture. Like I've always been interested in it ever since I was a kid. Um, my I was raised mainly by my Samoan side, um, so we had cult. Like I had the culture, but I didn't learn the language. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was nobody's fault, you know. It, it talk about like uh, my mom being a single mom, and you know she speaks fluent someone, but you know there's other things in life that we have to go through um, growing up. Yeah. And my grandmother, uh, she, her her English was was all right, but um, you know trying to learn from her was a little bit difficult. But it was it, and another thing; it was never pushed on us. Mm. It was something that if we wanted it, we'd have to we'd have to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I definitely grew up in the Samoan culture. I know our customs. I just you know, and being uh, being Avakasi or um, Hapaoli, that mm-hmm. um, yeah, 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 that kind of you know kept me from wanting to um, join the group. Because I was teased, I was made fun of, I was beat up, you know, and it, it kind of turned me to turn me away 
from the culture because like in independence missouri we have like this really good uh community of polynesian so uh Samoans and tongans mainly oh, wow. and uh you know i went to i also went to the south side school which was um i guess you consider it their rich white school um yeah, yeah. but like we weren't rich we we lived in apartments you know yeah. and um so all there's probably like six polynesians that in my school total and they all went and then, so all my cousins there's two other schools on the northern side and one in the county so like fort osage and uh and william christman so that's where all the polynesians yeah. went and you Aww. know i it, it's this thing i grew up with mainly white friends and i don't i don't regret that because i had some good experiences i had some really bad experiences too um yeah, yeah. but i wish i would have had more of a uh, like Polynesians around me. Um, yeah, no, I, I think yeah. it's, that, that, it's that level of connection. That's why you know when you when you're around people who kind of like on the same wavelength as you. Yeah, and you like, and then you, know, you kind of you, you feel more yourself. You feel more grounded too when you're around them. Yeah, and that's I think that's the especially when I was away from Hawaii for a long time. That was one thing I was missing. Um, you know, and the further the longer I was away from it, the more I felt like I was kind of being disconnected from it myself. Um, and so it's kind of like it's, that's why they always talk talk about like how the islands are always calling you back, you know, like it's always yeah. like you know, and um and when you get there, it's like yeah, I, I'm supposed to be here, kind of a thing, you know. Yeah, um, I've always kind of felt that way um, because like the best times I ever had, uh, they they were in Hawaii when I was a little kid. Um, everybody knew that I was that I was an Afakasi, but nobody really cared. Yeah, because all most of them were Afakasi too. Yeah. <laughs> and they came from mixed families and so nobody really cared about that and that's what i loved about um being in hawaii for that short period of time um but you know it's now in adulthood i'm refining it mm -hmm. yeah um I'm, I'm reaching out and making connections you know across across the country hopefully across mm -hmm. you know into australia new zealand and yeah, yeah, yeah. back into the islands um so how so what that was the what was like your your inspiration for coup, the coup project oh so the coup project came i mean i started the coup project probably 10 years ago over 10 years ago you know um and it was more of like my uh, start off as the ipa project it was more like okay this is like my personal journey of um, fighting my identity as native hawaiian um, what I wanted to accomplish as um, as a professional in the in the in the strength conditioning field, you know, um, I worked my way up to be a, the head strength coach at a university, and uh, you know that was like my peak where I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do, and you know it was more like taking that whole idea of health and wellness for um, not only just for the athletes but also for individually as as, as well as the Native Hawaiian community or any Polynesian, Polynesian community, right? Because you see so many of the um disparities amongst health and wellness for the polynesian community yeah with comes like diabetes hypertension all that stuff you know cvd stuff and everything um so then that was kind of like my process of like okay how can i take what i'm learning and how can i incorporate it into the culture because that's one thing what we always told right um growing up leave the islands learn as much as you can but remember to come back home to help out the community so that was kind of like the whole I idea for the, the coup project was to first work on myself and kind of go through that process myself and learning about what it means to be healthy and be um, have that wellness and everything that mental health and every all that stuff 
but also being still connected to that culture aspect. So it was more through um, health and wellness through a cultural lens that I started going through. And, um, you know, it was the IPA project, but then as I started to share my, my experience, more and more people started being like, you know, this speaks to me. This is, you know, this is kind of what I'm going through. So then um, that's when I was like, okay, well, I got to change it up. I don't want it to be just about me, you know. I want it to just be about, like, I just want to make it more general or it's more open rather than about, oh, this is about me, me, me. Um, let's start speaking to the people, speaking to community. And that's where um, I changed it to the crew project um, because uh, first my slogan was build a crew body, live a crew life. Mm -hmm. you know, it all starts with you. It all starts with you. Um, the stronger you are, the more healthy you are, the more, um, the more in tune you and self-aware of your mental health and wellness, you know, then you can start caring for others and building up others and everything else. And that's kind of where the crew project really started um, was, was basically me going through that whole process myself. Um, of being like, okay, here's I'm I'm in the strength and conditioning world. I'm in the fitness and industry. Like I'm kind of like climbed up in, in the professional area, but where am I culturally? And then, so that's where I was like, okay, I got to start building myself up culturally. Um, and that was when in 2009 I was lucky enough to be invited to be um, uh, part of a lua or a pa lua, which is like the Native Hawaiian um, art of warfare. Oh. And it was by invitation only. So we learned the martial the, the ancient martial arts of the Native Hawaiian warriors. And like, you know, so it's called Lua, which means two. So it's the duality thing. Um, and many times, and it was outlawed back in the, in the early 1900s because um, the missionaries saw it as like too savage-like. Yeah. You know, because it was basically Lua was the art of bone breaking. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, you know? remember uh, Kimo from the UFC? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, I, I remember his bio. Because I got really big into MMA about two, 2004, two, 2003, 2004. Okay. And I remember on his bio on the UFC page, it was uh, his his fighting. Every, they, everybody had their fighting style. So, like, uh, the Graces had jiu-jitsu. Some guys had yeah. karate. And then uh, Kim Moses said, uh, the art of Hawaiian bone breaking. Yeah. I was, so, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty dope. But then, like, that's when I got, that's, you know, when I saw other polynesians fighting i was like oh i want to do that and then i trained for a little bit and then i got punched in the face i was like i don't want to do that no yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. i stuck i stuck to this i stuck to jujitsu and grappling for a while and it got um as the popularity with mixed martial arts grew it got really expensive and i yeah, wasn't able to afford to do classes anymore yeah so, yeah but, and i mean i think that's the bummer part when how it, it kind of blew yeah. because yeah it was just it was a good place for like to build up that discipline, but yeah. then with the buildup of MMA, this was like, more like a commodity more than anything else, you know. Yeah, because that's um, when I when I discovered BJ Penn, uh, Cabbage Correra. Um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think oh, about that. Yeah, Cabbage. One of Cabbage's favorite. One of my favorite quotes by him was, "I, I don't know if it, it like set tough guy thing, uh, where he was asked in the ring, I was like, hey man, he, he took a lot of shots to the head." And they're like, hey, what's in your head? He's like, oh, I don't know, cement and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like at the time, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, so I so you you bring up that you're a strength and conditioning coach. Do you feel? Yeah. Uh, and this is si like sidebar. Um, I felt like because I graduated high school in 2001, and okay. I felt that the strength and conditioning programs were way outdated. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're doing because I was I graduated uh, high school in 2003. So then, um, but and I remember the our coach at that time who was in the weight room. 
was basically taking the workouts from Flex Magazine. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> it was all like bodybuilder stuff, but nothing yeah, focused on performance. Stuff. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, do do power cleans." They're like, "How do you power clean?" Oh, just lift it up from the ground and put it to your shoulders. You know, that's that was the extent of their coaching. Yeah, so, I was just like, "Oh, just do squats. How many? Uh, just do as many as you can. Just throw yeah, as many with, throw, with, throw yeah. as many uh, bar, uh, weights on there as you can." Yeah, just go. And, and I think that's for me. Um, I, I was never introduced to that part of it. So when I went to college, like strength and conditioning wasn't, I didn't even know about that whole career until um, the, the guy from Maui was like, and he was a head strength coach at that time. And he was just like, well, have you heard of this strength and conditioning? I was like, no, what is that? He's like, what do you mean? You're like, you guys didn't do that in high school? We're like, no, we just lift weights, you know, like, <laughs> you know, we just bench press, you know, bicep curls, get ready for to go to beach and everything. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and he just says so then as i started following him and seeing like how he like took on that whole um athletic performance and development and also his coaching skills you know um because i remember him saying like coaching is it's not all about the squats and the exercises coaching is more about making sure the, the athletes know that you're there for them like once once they know that they they can trust you and that you're like actually looking for the best out of them and you're gonna like provide for them and like show up for them they'll do everything you know yeah. they'll they'll listen to you um and that that's where i also kind of realized how important it is to have that connection um with people and have that interpersonal connection with individuals you know yeah um because then you can actually they actually are able to be like okay this and, and it, you look at yourself right like you think about how you were and how would you like to be approached when you're doing something yeah. you know um so then that's that's one thing that I carried on throughout these years and that I imply into the cool project what I'm doing now, right? With all like the how I'm writing all those little um passages and even like this little tips and everything. Because that's all can if you think about it, that can all be um put into anywhere, to businesses, to organizations, to yeah. teams. Like all those little th- like reminders can help out performance yeah. and i've taken a, i took a look at your your website and it incorporates everything together it, it connects everything the community the yeah. strength like all the uh you know like nutrition everything that i'm seeing on on your on your website it all it all adds up you know what i mean yeah and and that's what that piqued my interest in this and yeah, yeah. the fact that you're, you're hawaiian native hawaiian yeah. <laughs> i was like i gotta talk to this guy I have to talk yeah, to him yeah. because, you know, it, we, we don't have enough of those voices in the community. And, 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 you know, you hear me repeat myself through every podcast, like we need more representation. We need more of, yeah. of these people to stand out because, you know, every like when you ask somebody like gr- growing up, they're like, um, uh, oh, you're you're Hawaiian. I was like, no, I'm, I'm half Samoan. And they're like, what's yeah. that? I was yeah. like, uh, I'll, let me explain it. Yeah, let me explain it. <laughs> and then uh, we actually had, um, so my mom used to date an NFL football player who was someone, mm-hmm. and uh, he was doing an autograph signing. And this is how, like, people in on the mainland are just kind of disconnected from, like, what Polynesians are. Mm-hmm. Um, she came up, and I think this was in the earth early 90s mid 90s and she's like i feel I'm, i feel so sorry what's happening to your people and he's like what are you talking about was it a hurricane or was like yeah, was yeah. it a uh, tropical storm he's like no like all the war and famine is like oh we're not like like 
that's not where it's like yeah you know all the somalians and it's like oh oh no lady lady do i look like a somalian because he was like yeah he was like six three three hundred something pounds i was like (laughs) oh man the disconnect and you know everybody thought everything oh hawaiian punch luau's cool little pork like pineapple hawaiian pizza yeah yeah oh man and you know everybody they don't know they don't they don't understand like yeah it it hurts a little bit (laughs) that they Mm -hmm. don't know yeah but i can't blame them because you know growing up in the mainland we didn't have when they talked about american history none of the nothing came up about polynesia or hawaii like it came up oh hawaii was the 50th state pearl harbor this and that doesn't mention um doesn't mention colonialism doesn't mention like the the theft of the land doesn't mention any of that stuff and you know it's 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 pretty sad um even in college we didn't really get too much into it and uh you know like even my wife who was born and raised in california she's like oh i didn't know that the dole plantation she didn't know any of that stuff because she wasn't taught that and i knew that when i was a little kid because i went to hawaii and then you know once you get the internet you start learning yeah and you you start to get books like and you start talking to other people uh about that those subjects like yeah yeah um you know like there's a lot of cow like cowboy uh history in the islands mm-hmm. and not a lot of people know about it yeah like if yeti didn't put out yeti the the cooler brand didn't put out a video about it they were like oh what's this like yeah. there's cowboys in hawaii yeah like, my, my, my grandfather was a, was one he's we still have a saddle and everything yeah and it's know? crazy like they don't know about the boniolo yeah and i'm like that that's that's a tragedy because that's culture that's something that should be taught we should like i don't know i'm going off on a tangent but it it, it, it upsets no, no, but, me it, but it's true though yeah. yeah and then uh like being connected to the land and everything i think that's yeah. you know a lot of native hawaiians are very connected to the land and that's why they're so defensive about it yeah and right yeah, so. yeah yeah i think that's the big thing that's going on right now especially with like um with the tourism coming up over here yeah it's, it's a huge problem right now um you know like during the pandemic it was beautiful it was nice you know yeah. like everything got to be like reset like the reefs were able to like flourish like the the valleys were able to get like kind of all the hikes and trails were able to grow back and everything and it was like and that's kind of the thing that's what made us out here all kind of upset about it because you know during the whole pandemic we're all realizing that tourism was we're relying so much on tourism just to drive the economy so they had all these like leaders talking stories about okay well what can we do to, so that this doesn't happen again yeah you know what like okay wh- how can we grow our economy and not be so like reliant on tourism but then and so the, the conversation was started but then tourism opened back up and it was like okay move on <laughs> forget about it you know like yeah. just bring them all in and this is open all up and then all of a sudden like the reefs are back to where they were the the trails are all like trashed now already so then um the local people are even more pissed off basically you know because it's like wait a minute like we, we, this is this was our time to reset yeah. you know and um and it was obvious that it needed it but now we find ourselves just right back to where we where we were if not worse and there's still more um tourists coming inside you know 
Uh, are they are the leaders trying to find a solution to like is there a solution to that though like yeah like how do you keep how do you keep that many people from coming over yeah or, and i think that's the hardest thing because it's, it's just that we become so um normal it's like such a normal thing to us yeah all right over here so dependent i mean how that's so dependent on it um but and we i think a lot of us know that and I, that's going to take a while for us to figure out how to do it. Yeah. But um, you know, it was just, it was just so hard to see that once the gates were open, it was like all the conversations and everything stopped, and then just let the whole floodgates open. And now they're like, okay, now now how can we fix this? Because now the COVID numbers are going up again, and yeah. all this stuff is just like falling apart. So it's like, uh, it's just getting everybody a little more on edge, you know yeah that's like that's pretty you know i have so i have a a palangi friend that teaches out in um in oahu okay and i asked him like he was talking to me about like their curriculum and he was like a lot of these kids they they don't care about what we're teaching them they want to learn they want to learn about about their culture they want to learn about land they want to learn how they want to learn about agriculture they want to learn how to grow stuff and I, I just don't know. I, and I, you know, I probably should talk to him a little bit more, but he's been there for a while, probably like six or seven years. And then he plans on to be there a little mm-hmm. bit longer because he loves it. And he loves his students. Um, but he was uh, like trying to come up with solutions to, you know, teach the, teach the, teach the, teach the Polynesian kids there about, you know, yeah. what are the solutions? Cause I, he's like, I can't teach it. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a Palangi. That's that's yeah. not my place to teach. But he also like that, it, and it really makes me happy that they're interested in their culture. They're interested in yeah. agriculture. That because that's how you know. I think that's how they think that they're going to make a living. Yeah. Unless they get off the island. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's uh, and that was a big thing that happened over here was when the um, the governor um, extended the leases out for the ceded lands, basically to private development and every all that stuff which was supposed to go back to the people and that was like a big thing because all the people were like well you have all this land that we could start building these resources up yeah but now you're going to release it out for like super cheap to all these big corporations to develop on and everything and and so it's, it's just a, there's a lot of tension building up amongst the native hawaiian people and the government especially yeah um the state of hawaii um, and and that's, that's, I think that's one thing that the, the Native Hawaiian people are trying to say is that we're not upset about like all this. We're, we're just upset with the government in Hawaii, the state of Hawaii, for wh- how they're leading us, you know, um, because they're they say one thing, but yet they do another thing, and they they don't listen to our voices that are being trying to be heard, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, like for the crew project, you know, like people ask me like also like. They think like, are you like an activist or anything, or are you, like going out there holding up signs? And then, um, you know, to be honest, like I tell, I'm not an activist. Like there are way more people, way more educated than me yeah. in those areas. That I'm just gonna let them. So it's just like I said, I started the crew project to be more of like a coach, basically. Yeah, like a positive you influence. Know? Positive influence, you know, for those because you have people who are like who are really out there on the front line, right? Like really like like boots to the ground and everything. Um, but my biggest question is who's taking care of them? It's yeah. like, you know, who's taking care of the caregiver and the caretakers? Um, what are they doing to take care of themselves? And that's where I try to put the crew project in as that voice, you know, to for them to be like, hey, like, 
keep doing what you're doing. You know, we, we appreciate you. We see you. Or, hey, take a pause. Relax. You know, like, like gather yourself. Take care of yourself. Um, because I think that was where, that's one area where that, that's kind of quiet right now. There's, there's kind of like, there's, there's an emptiness there. There's a void. Um, so I figured that the crew project could help with that void to just kind of give a voice to be like, hey, like, you're okay. We got you. You know, we see you and everything. Um, so and that's what coup is all about coup is about helping people stand up taller coup that's what coup means right to stand upright um and that's kind of what the coup project's for so yeah yeah i um i was looking on so like on your website you have like i said before you have everything you have um workouts you have things for injury prevention you have things that connected um you know back to back to the culture and um and I, I listened to a little bit of your of your podcast the one where it's where you just started you started again uh mm. since uh and you talk about losing your gym you yeah. talk about all that stuff how how's it been since since then you know um it's 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 still pretty fresh you know like um it's been over a year but that was basically like the culmination of all this stuff building up to opening up our space um, because I had a, a lot of, basically a lot of ideas for that space and then having to lose it and then having the community that we built up uh, to have no, no longer a space, it was kind of like a, it was bittersweet. You know, I did go through a, quite a bit of depression after yeah. that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think it made me realize how important the Coup Project was to me and the whole um, I was trying to do with it was so important to me. And even like my wife told me, I want to tell her, oh, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. She's just like, you got to keep doing what you're doing because I know if you do anything else, you're going to just be miserable. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she's been a, a huge support. And if, if it wasn't for her, the coup project would have been done, basically. You know, yeah. I, I, and I, I tell her that all the time um, because it was, it was that was kind of like the last straw for me when I lost the space. I was kind of like, all right, I'm done. You know, I'm like, I'm going to walk. I'm, I tried. <laughs> I did whatever I could. I was like, I'm exhausted. You know, like it was it was. 10 years, I mean, I started my um, training people when I moved back to Hawaii in 2003. I mean, 2013, sorry. And then 2020 is when we closed. So seven years of all this and ups and downs of running a business and building up all this kind of stuff. And then for it to end the way it did, I was like, ah, I'm just tired, you know, (laughs) all of a sudden. um, But now it it made me realize that that I could, I want to basically flip-flop what I was doing. So if you think about it, like I had the gym, had the space, and I was coaching basically like 80% of the time. And 20% of the time what I was doing with like the creative stuff, like the blogs, the website, the videos, the social media stuff and everything. Um, so I was trying to figure out how can I flip-flop it because I realized that all the coaching was also taking away a lot of time from my family. Yeah. Because I'll be there from like 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night coaching. Um, and I realized that I, I, that's not what I want to do, you know. Especially when I have two, I have two bo- young boys. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure I'm, I'm home around for them. So then um, I was figuring out how can I flip flop it to be more eighty percent creative and twenty percent coaching. Yeah. Um, and, so that's what's that. And, and you're doing everything on your own. Yeah. Like so, <laughs> from editing to podcast to writing, and yeah. that's the thing I I, I really appreciate because you're doing your. Yeah. On top of coaching and everything, you're doing all this by yourself. 
Yeah. And so when you, so when you mentioned that you have a kind of like a attention deficit, yeah. that's kind of like where I'm at. You know, like I'm like all over the place. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It, I, it, I, it, I tried creating a website it. and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, like, I, said, I even yeah. went off uh, Squarespace and stuff like that. And I was like, I just gave up on it. I, I like I read, yeah. I wrote out the free trial. And I was like, look, I'll take I'll take the I'll take the free uh, podcast hosting service, and I'll just post everything on Instagram. Yeah, and hopefully and, and over it, time it'll build up, and yeah. um, and that and that and part of part of this is, uh, you know, talking to a couple of the other uh, people I've had on is creating a, a network of Polynesians mm-hmm. where we can be collaborative and creative, yeah, and you know, ha- kind of like have our own network, um. To share with everybody yeah. um a lot of that inspiration comes from new zealand where they have uh, coconut and fresh tv mm. because it's all polynesian programming for polynesians yeah. and you know that's 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 a little bit of the hope here of getting everybody connected um but uh i'm trying to see but yeah going back to you do everything by yourself <laughs> yeah you know it, you're running a business you're doing all that stuff and you know the, that that time like that question that we all have that conflict of how much do i work and how much time do i spend mm-hmm. on family yeah because i i used to work graveyard i worked graveyards for five years and wow. during that time i was going to college full-time and i had two kids within that time span and i was miserable yeah. Like I was not a happy person. I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. I was very, you know, short-tempered, very tired mm-hmm. all the time, and you know, pretty selfish. And when we moved to Utah, I kind of got a regular. And you know, I was done with school, and I got a regular like eight-hour day job, like somewhat regular hours. Yeah. And it was funny because I was sitting. I came home. At like two o'clock, and I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> do my stuff, yeah. And my kids are like, just like, hey, th- th- play with us, play video games with us, you know, just run around with us. It's like, okay, like it, it wasn't normal. Yeah. It wasn't normal for me. Mm. And I think you, where you, you try to promote that work-life balance. Yeah. Because and you it, have to focus you know, on yourself. You got to focus on yeah. your mental health. And I think yeah. that's something that Polynesians don't do. Like every. I, I, you can pretty much say that everybody doesn't focus on your mental health, their mental yeah. health. But I think especially Polynesians, I think yeah. their, their thing is, Oh no, I'm going to punch through it. Yeah. You know, we'll punch We're, through it. And then when it, you know, when I can't handle it anymore, you know, we'll just, we'll just see where that, where it goes. Yeah. And I think, I think that's like, that's a big, I, I totally agree with you on that because, and we're, plus we're so like, um, into like, we're so all everything for our family, right? Like yeah. we'll do anything for the family. Um, and I think that's where we lose sight of taking care of ourselves. And, uh, you know, as we talk about this all the time is that, you know, how many times have we lost like leaders or even family members way too soon who we loved, you know, like, but, but they didn't take care of their own health yeah. because they're so worried about everybody else, you know, like making sure that everybody's fed, making sure everyone's happy. And, but then no one took the time to be like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, like what, what can we do for you? Yeah. And I think that's, um, I, and I think that's very common you, across a lot of Polynesian families. It's just yeah. like, you know, um, so then that's, that's where the, all this stuff is being, being more aware of in tune with caring for yourself, because if you care for yourself, you can better care for others. Yeah. Um, 
and having that support system. And I think that's where having that support system is so important um, because then you can have people check in on those individuals, those caretakers and those yeah. ones who are, you know, who are doing so much for the families and, um, and for the community. It's like sometimes they can feel alone, you know, like they're not being heard or because they put so much pressure on themselves. Yeah. So. I think a lot of it too is just, you know, especially with men, getting them to open mm-hmm. up because a lot of yeah. them don't like to share their feelings. I was very yeah. fortunate that I was raised by like Polynesian women, like very mm. strong. My, all my aunties are very strong Polynesian women. And they're like, you can talk to auntie about anything. He's like, don't, yeah. don't worry. If you don't want to tell your mom, you can tell me and then we'll figure out a better way. We'll figure out a way to tell your mom about it. Yeah. And having that, you know, I, I grew up pretty, you know, pretty emotional and very sensitive growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always knew I had the aunties to go to. That was my support system. And then yeah. I had my cousins that were a little bit older than me that were like, hey, what's going on? You know, because they, you know, it doesn't matter if third, fourth, fifth, tenth cousin, three times removed. It, when you're Polynesian, everybody's first cousins. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Much. It doesn't even matter yeah. if you're not even related. Like, yeah. I don't know how many times, like, in, uh, in, in Missouri, I always refer to somebody as uncle and auntie. We're not even related by blood. But that's yeah. no the same thing. Same thing in Hawaii. Everybody's like, "Oh, hey, what's up, Auntie?" Yeah, yeah. Like, it was everyone's yeah. connected, you know. And I think you know that's what I, I kind of miss in, he, missing here in Utah because there is there is a small community, but it's not very very connected to me. Mm. Um, there, you know, and part of that's me. I haven't gone and reached out, and I kind of am now because you know, like I said, I'm re, I'm refining refining my love for the culture. Yeah. And, you know, I was very fortunate that, you know, my grandparents did have the foresight to move to to the mainland to f- have a better life for um, for my for my mom, my aunties and my uncle. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, you know, they kind of they, they took parts of the culture that didn't make sense in America. And, you know, they still knew about it, but they didn't practice it. And, yeah. you know, I think somebody asked me before do you think that you missed out all do you think you lost part of your culture on that i was like first i said no then i came back and said yes and now i'm kind of like indifferent about it because it doesn't really make sense when you're living in america and to do some of these things um so and that's where like in part of refining your culture um luckily like you live in hawaii and culture's all around you can't, yeah, you, yeah, you can't you can't you can't throw a rock and not touch culture yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I, I really appreciate it and i think that's you know growing up in on the mainland you don't you don't really get too much of that and that's why yeah. i love that's why i love hawaii so much is because you go anywhere and you're 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 learning something mm-hmm. there's you know you're, there's you know diamond head there's like I, I, I touch on all the tourist attractions because that's yeah, yeah. that's you know we that's what we learned. But you know when I lived in Laie, we never went to any of those tourist attractions. We mainly yeah. we went to to Pounders Beach. We went to went to Waimea. The good spots, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are all the good spots. Yeah, and I like it's because it's you know because you have PCC there. It is that small community of all these Polynesians yeah. that are that have come there, gone to school there, and stayed there. And yeah. then you have like you know the big powerhouse Kahuku, yeah. and it, that whole that whole section of of, of uh, Oahu is very very special to me. Oh yeah, I mean there's there's so much culture in that one area. Yeah, you know, and I, that's one area where 
I love visiting family out there too, just to kind of like be back over that spot, yeah. that side to to just um, you know absorb all the different cultures, the Samoan, Tongan, Fiji, and Hawaii. You know, like everything's there, um, and everyone's just so welcoming and so like has so much aloha and everything. So it's one of those things where yeah, even for for me like. I live Kailua side, worked more more the beach side and everything, um, and I would go to where Manalo, whereas to where well, all the aunties and uncles were, you know, yeah. in the valleys and the mountains and everything, you know, on the low east and stuff. So that was, that was my place to like reconnect and to kind of ground myself again. And but we all have those little areas that we can like escape to, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's kind of like out here in Utah, if you. And I don't, I don't do it too. I don't do it as much as I should. But like going up into the mountains, going out to in the desert and exploring and just having fun with my kids, like that, that's where that work-life balance comes in because you're so stressed yeah. out by work that you know you you, you forget you forget yourself. Yeah. And then and, well, and yeah. you forget your family and you forget the importance of everything. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what happens when you have your own. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. But that's kind of what happens. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what happens when you have your own business, especially. Yeah. Um, is that you? You're never really off work. Yeah. You know, like you're you're kind of like always on. Like your mind, my mind's always constantly going. Like, like I'll just be like hanging out, and all of a sudden, like there'll be like, oh, an idea. You know, and I'll be like just thinking about it, like zoning out, and my wife would be like, "Hey, come back to Earth," you know, like yeah. come back down here, you know. <laughs> so, but then, um, so it it and even to today, like. I'm still working. Like all the stuff that I post out is just also reminders to me. Like, like people are like, "Oh wow, you you're posting so good. Like you have everything figured out." I, like, I have nothing figured out. <laughs> I'm like all the stuff that I'm putting out there is also a self reminder to myself. Yeah. Because I need it just as much. Um, and it's so it's, and that's that's the, I think that's why people are connecting with it because it's coming from a genuine place. Like I'm not one. I'm not an expert. You know. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure this out. Like I'm not an expert in my my native language. Like I'm learning at, at the same time all this stuff. Like all these words that I'm putting out there is like I'm learning these words at the same time. So it's um so I, whenever people are like trying to reach out to me, I'm like I am not an expert. Like <laughs> I'm on my own journey. I'm like also figuring things out. And like if you if this speaks out to you, like um because I went to uh, school to be a creative writer. Oh really? So I went to write. Yeah. So I went to college. I got my um, bachelor's in creative writing because I wanted to be a, a journalist and be a writer and everything. Um, just so happened that it didn't work out that way. I became a strength coach yeah. instead. Um, but then that's that's where I was like, the, that's where all this writing comes from, and all these like words and stuff. Because I've always been fascinated with words um, and the power of word. Um, because like one of the um, Native Hawaiian, one of the Hawaiian proverbs that I always talk about is "Ikalelo no keola, ikalelo no kamake," which is in in words there is life, in words there is death. Um, and that's one. That's like one of my biggest. Um, kind of like my guiding light not only for like what i write but also like how you speak to others and how yeah. you speak to yourself right um so that's one of those those proverbs that is like i it's like the foundation of the crew project so i'm always very mindful of the words that i put out there um so you see like all those posts that i put all those carousels yeah. it takes me forever <laughs> just to go through it because i'm like constantly like looking at each one like okay like how how is this worded am i wording it right like it, it's just how is it going to come off as because one, I always try to make sure it's not so like. Um, one, I don't want it to be demeaning, like, or any putting or like disrespectful. Um, and also, two, I also want it to be like kind of get you thinking a little bit, you know. 
um, rather than like more of a, a command, like I command you to do this, you know, like hustle hard, like do work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just like, okay, let's, let's get you to think a bit more, you know, like let's let you reflect a bit more. But and going back to like the, the Polynesian men, right? That's one thing that we like always shy away from is you want me to reflect on myself, <laughs> you know, like you want me to look within myself and like bring out all these emotions. And, um, and that can be a scary thing to do, you know, for yeah. many of us. And that was a scary thing for me to go through. Um, and that's why, I, like, when I was coaching at the gym, I would have a, a good small group. I didn't have a big, huge gym. Was, I didn't have a lot of members. I had a good core group. Um, but I'll, t- I'll share with you one of the best, like, success stories. It wasn't about how much this guy lost weight or how much, you know, he could lift. It was more about, like, how he felt after. And, like, the biggest thing was that he didn't tell me, he didn't say nothing to me. It was just his um, wife texted me one day. I was just like, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, he is calmer. He doesn't have a hot temper anymore. He's not angry. He doesn't yell at me. And that right there was the biggest, like, success story I'll ever yeah. get. Um, but it was when I when I asked him how he's doing, he said he finally felt like a, a space to be safe in, you know, where he could share those emotions. Yeah. Or at least get those, or at least get those emotions out. Because he didn't, he didn't say much. Like he was, he was one of those guys who don't didn't very talk very much at all. Yeah. But the fact that I gave him this avenue, or this outlet that was a positive outlet for him to release this energy, made him feel like he was taking care of himself. And I think that's the, what we well, as native as, as Polynesian men, we need to find that those spaces. Yeah. I, and I'm known for being brutally honest and self-deprecating about myself like you know i have anger issues like i yell at my kids way too much you know i'm not the best husband sometimes and that that is like taking the self-reflection and you know Mm -hmm. yeah you we need that yeah Um, but also being able to accept your failures and accept your accept your flaws you know I, i think that's where i have a hard time with a lot of things but also you know I, I need to open up you know yeah. i have a hard time expressing myself to people and you know it, it's because i'm worried about what they think i'm worried about yeah. what they'll say um when it when it comes to work i take uh i take criticism very well but when it comes yeah. to myself my personal self i don't take it so well and i think i need yeah. to like i think i need your i think i need the cool project the cool project yeah like, you know, and you know and i yeah it, it is something because you know, it's. I, I'll, t- I'll tell all the guys like I'm very open to like I'm I'm as I mentioned before I'm like an introvert. I don't like to talk much. Yeah. Um. I don't like to I don't like to put myself out there in front of a whole bunch of people, you know. Um. So whenever I get asked to go, oh, can you come to this event? I'm like, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I don't want to be in front of all these people. I, I get very like like I have a lot of anxiety. Um. But then. I, I always try to make make sure people understand that I'm also going through this process as well. Yeah, you know, like because I too same thing. I ha- like like you have this like voice in your head, and it's like this big angry voice, and you're trying to figure out where can you take it out on, you know. And sometimes you suppress it as you keep pushing it down. And be like no, no, no. But then all of a sudden you lose control of it, and it comes out. And when it comes out, and we all know Polly brothers, Polly. <laughs> Once it comes out, it's like a volcano coming out, yep. you know, like, you know, and I think that's where, um, and that's, a, that's the scary thing too, right? For us to realize that, that that's what's there is that trembling underneath us. And how can we 
channel those things right yeah. how can we channel all that aggression all that anger that we suppress not only from like this like personal experience but like generational trauma you know intergenerational yeah. trauma you know but it, it's that, and, that, um, uh you talk about intergenerational trauma but also, like you think it's called ancestral trauma yeah ancestral trauma yeah. too yeah that's that's some crazy stuff yeah and and you know the more the more i dive into it the more i learn the more i realize how much i hold on that yeah you know like hearing the stories of my my grandparents and like all my uncles and aunties and hear what they went through being native hawaiian and i've gone through stuff being native hawaiian at my old school like you know i remember like when i was in sixth grade i got pulled in front of a classroom and the teacher saying you know let's all give daniel applause like a big clap of the hand because where he comes from people don't they don't talk like that i'm like i come from hawaii i'm like what are you talking about you know but then like the fact that like i come from like this more like kailua is a smaller town than it was than it is now but the fact that i came from kailua side which is the opposite side of the island they thought i was like like i was more like country or more like native yeah. or everything but the fact that i could actually speak in front of a class and kind of speak i guess decently well english you know she was like oh let's just make sure he knows that he's like <laughs> I was like, congratulate him. Yeah, yeah, congratulate that he's speaking English. You know, like, oh, thanks. You know, Um, yeah. I try. I'll try to. Man, I don't know if this relates, but so I had one. So I never really experienced any any like hate or racism from uh, from white people growing up. I was more of like, oh wow, you really you're half someone. Wow, like how you're so skinny. You're so like you're so light skinned and um but in, in well I, and I actually receive i like i said i receive more hate from my own people not i don't want to yeah. say hate we're just we're, we're kids you know we're stupid yeah we're stupid when we're teenagers we're stupid when we're in when junior high and you know we want to bully each other and stuff like that yeah and a lot of those guys that i got bullied with i'm cool with in adulthood yeah and it's like <laughs> oh hey what's up bro like cool like you know hey Wus, you want to come mix like that yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. but like the one time and it, it and you, we talk about letting go and especially in high school you know we're growing up we're finding ourselves so i was put i was on the freshman basketball team and we're scrimmaging against the seniors mm. this one guy couldn't figure out what i was and i swear i didn't hear him say it but it stuck it's something that my friends made fun of me for a long time and they didn't apologize for it until we were in college so i was like hey, hey get the chinky boy I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you talk? I don't even look Chinese. Yeah, yeah. And that stuck. And my friends would just nonstop. Hey, what's up? Like, to them, you know, I, I don't it was know. Fun. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. It's like, you know, sorry for the language, but like, hey, what's up, Chink? Or, hey, uh, Wang, be nice to your friends. I'm like, what? Like, dude, it's not cool. Yeah. It's not cool. Yeah. And it culminated, and we took a really bad loss in a football game and they wouldn't let up they wouldn't let up and i flipped i grabbed one of my friends he didn't even say he was one of the group but he didn't say anything i grabbed him and like pretty much my friends like oh crap you mean you mean business like i grabbed him yeah i i picked him up above my head and shoved him up to the ceiling of the bus and i threw him on the ground and I, i i don't know if i kicked him in the head or not but and after that, my friends, they really didn't say it anymore. Yeah. But it's something that. But it drove me to that point, yeah. Yeah, it drove me to the point, and 
it's something like it, it can happen in adulthood too. Like if we don't, yeah. if we don't, and and even then now we get made, men still get made fun of about talking about their feelings. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're soft. Yeah. Oh, you're you're a snowflake. Yeah. I was like, dude, people have feelings, and if we don't, yeah, if we don't, if we don't sort these feelings out, and if we can't express ourselves, then you like you said, we're going to explode. We're like a volcano. Yeah. We're going to explode. Yeah. Violence is going to happen, and who knows what's going to happen after that. Yeah, People it's kind of the whole thing, yeah, jail and everything. And yeah. you, that's what that's what happens, right? You think about like in Hawaii, the Native Hawaiian men are the ones who populate the are are incarcerated the most, you know. Yeah. And as we and I always tell it's because it, we don't we've been told not to share our feelings, we've been told not to ha- show emotions or talk about what's going on in our lives and everything, and not or not get help or even ask for help because it's a sign of weakness. Um, but it's. <laughs> It's one of those things, and for me, like I talk about all this kind of stuff, right? So everyone's like, "Oh, so you're like the sensitive like guy and everything," you know? I'm just like, "No, I'm just like I'm gonna tell you the truth. Like I'm, I feel the strongest I've ever felt because of this." Yeah. You know, and when there's a guy who comes up to me saying like, "Oh, you're just like," like they look down like, "Oh, you're just a touchy feely kind of guy," and then I, I kind of question was like, "How are you doing?" You know, and then yeah. I started asking them questions, you know, and then, then all of a sudden, like, they kind of get thrown off because they're expecting, like, a, a, reta- a like a reactive response. Yeah, like a confrontation. You know, like a confrontation. But when, and, and you know, it, it took me some time to learn this and to kind of get the strength to do it. But then, like, when they start, like, pushing down what you're trying to do and, like, the belittling you, I just turn it around and be like, oh, like, well, how are you doing, you know, like, like what's going on in your life? Yeah, because obviously something's going on. If you're if you have just so much anger to talk about to to come out of your way to like isolate this situation, yeah, something's going on. Yeah, you know? I I've, I've thrown a couple yeah. people off, and like yeah, I, I well, I was mean about it. I was like, yeah. why are you such a dick? <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, what? I was like, seriously, dude, what's going what's going on with you? Like, there this isn't coming from nowhere. There's something yeah. going, and then they'll they'll spill like they'll spill their guts, and you're like, dude, yeah. all you gotta do is open up and talk about it. I'm not gonna make fun of you. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, um, I have a brother who's who, who's gay, and um, you know, there. I hope I don't get a lot of crap from my family for this, but <laughs> <laughs> but like we were all, you know, we were all pretty supportive. But he was still pretty young. He was still in high school. And um, we were just like, hey man, like it's cool. You don't, you don't, you're not going to receive any hate from your family. You're, at least you're not going to receive any hate from your brothers or your sisters. Um, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking to us, you can talk to one of our wives. Like yeah. we're here to support you. We don't want you to do anything stupid because you can't, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, express your feelings. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like. Like you said, we don't know what that person's going through. They could mm-hmm. be going through something very traumatic where all they need is somebody to listen and get them hope. Or it can be yeah. as simple as saying, hey, man, I got your back. Or yeah. just saying hi to people. Just being, I think we've lost kindness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what I, that's what I posted today. Yeah. Like, easy ways to show kindness, you know, like, yeah. And, and I think I we need to get back to that. You know, especially in, in look, overall, but in our community. Yeah. Um, so far, I haven't seen, like, 
you know, I, I sit back and like I'm waiting for this this the first negative review of the podcast. Yeah. Like who who's this guy talking? He knows nothing yeah. about culture. He knows nothing about our people. And I haven't got that. Like yeah. I've had very encouraging people um come across and offer their offer their support, offer their their, their kind words. Um yeah. but yeah, just being kind to people. I think yeah. you know, I, I don't know why why we we feel the need to go out and be mean like you know when i say like i'm in a bad mood i try not to show it at work i try to be you know this this normal guy at work who um doesn't show anything like uh negative um but we're all human beings yeah you know we can only do so much um but yeah i what 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 school did you coach at? I was at University of Redlands. Redlands, so okay. Division three school, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and then you ended up. Where where did you find? So you did you did you? How much did you learn? Obviously, you learned a lot from that coach in Maui. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, all like I see on your on your Instagram and your and your um your YouTube page and your website, um, like very I guess you can call it. Would you call what you teach like RFT, raw functional movement, raw, raw functional training, or yeah. just like a combination of everything? Because I see a lot of movement on your page. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 combination of everything. Like for me, like I'm I'm one that was I'm not into like those whole systems, you know, thing kind of like oh this is like I'm a powerlifter, I'm a crossfitter, yeah. I'm this, I'm that, you know. Um, and maybe maybe because like I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee, you know, like because yeah. he always talked about how like systems separated people. You know, um, the individual is more important than the system, and um, and then that, and I always, I always looked at that that way, um, and I've always looked at all these different training modalities as just tools, and then when it comes down to the individual, you take all those tools that you have, and then you apply it to those individuals. You yeah. know, um, like for instance, if you have an auntie who wants to get in, get get healthy, right? You're not going to throw her into RFT. You know, like yeah. if she's like, you know, she's just like just beginning. You're not gonna be like, okay, let's do like sit throughs, let's do yeah. bear crawls and everything. It's like no, like it's like you're gonna like find okay, what's best for her? Maybe she needs to do some TRX training because she needs some assistance. Maybe you gotta do a little bit of kettlebell stuff because you know. So you start using all these different um, uh, different tools, and so that's part of your toolbox that you have. And yeah. for each person, you kind of use it accordingly. So that, I think that's kind of like my approach to all that stuff. You know. Yeah, and I think a lot of us like me. I get in my own way because like I see RFT, I see what you're doing and I was like, I'll try it out. And then, you know, I was like, no, nah, I just want to go. I want to go do bicep curls. I want to go do some squats. Yeah. I'm like, but I, it's getting out of that mindset that you only have to do one thing. Like yeah. maybe do some like TRX, some kettlebell, maybe some RFT in the morning and then go lift your traditional weights in the afternoon. Yeah exactly um, yeah but yeah but i think like and you have people like me that just go online and just like okay how do i do this how to do that and you you have all these influencers on on instagram and youtube and like i just feel like they're dissing each other like yeah. oh, no no you don't want to do this kind of rear delt workout you want to do this this doesn't work this. yeah whereas like <laughs> uh, looking at your page it encompasses everything yeah yeah i mean for me for me it's yeah, like the whole like 
Instagram influencer, fitness influencer, it really makes me like question why I want to even be a part of the industry. <laughs> you know, because it's it's they're, they're not adding any value really to all this stuff. They're they're kind of just basing it off of the looks and like whatever the best angle they can get at, the best lighting yeah. and everything to look the best, to look more eye appealing. Um, and that's all they're doing. It's like, like recently I came across a shoulder workout that got like over a million views. And they're like, oh, like build boulder delts. And all the guy did was just lateral raises. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, four exercises. Two of the exercises were lateral raises. Then he did a front raise. Then was was a face pull. I was just like, that's a, a, an amazing shoulder workout. <laughs> you know, like, but it just makes you realize what people are looking at nowadays. Yeah. And like, um, you know, people buying followers and yeah. Stuff like that. I don't. I don't think everybody saw this coming in with the influencer role that you know yeah. that's hit within the last. I don't know. Would you say five to ten years? Yeah, I'll say that. But yeah, yeah. I remember. I, so I wanted to be. I wanted so bad to be part of the hunting industry. Mm. And same thing. All this crap that you see. You see, you know, a lot of these companies throwing product at people that haven't accomplished much. Yeah. And. You know, because they look good, or because yeah. you know they have a following, and all of a sudden you see them nonstop on your stories or stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, it just I don't think there is a community out there that doesn't have fights within itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that that completely turned me off the hunting industry because uh. I, I I'm a member, so I'm a board member for the state of Utah for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. It's a it's a public land hunting and fishing advocacy group. It promotes like clean okay. water, access to uh, federally managed land, and just the hate that it receives because mm-hmm. it's not seen within the traditional confines of of what the hunting industry is. Um, you know, and you know now it's it's a cool thing because now you see more uh, minorities getting into like being showcased in hunting. Um, yeah. for their skill uh, and not for you know it's a like kind of like a meritocracy yeah. so they're showcased for their skill and not just because you know it's the token minority but yeah. they but even before then there wasn't very that many minorities in it but now you have um, you know the pineapple brothers in Lanai um, hunting is huge in Hawaii yeah um, you have you know, and a lot of it's invasive species. That's not native, so <laughs> yeah. like it's open season. Um, all the access deer, oh, everything, man. all of guys. I've never, I've, I've never ate access deer, but I heard it is amazing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta get your hands on it. Well, like, and yeah. I think if I could choose, say I couldn't live in the mainland, Hawaii and New Zealand would be my first, my first two choices, mm. because because you have the scenery, you have the culture, yeah. and you have. Um, it, anywhere I go, I want to fish and hunt. Yeah, yeah. And both both have that, and um, so like you're starting to see, you know, I think within the last five years, you started seeing more hunting shows um, that have come to Hawaii to mm-hmm. to showcase what they have because, you know, not only do you guys have a huge problem with tourists, you guys have a huge problem with invasive species. Invasive species, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's 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 killing the native fauna and flora um overfishing stuff like mm-hmm. that and um I, I can't remember i watched uh um 
I think it was a Patagonia film over, it's called Sea People or Fish People or something like that. But they had, um, you know, they're talking about how like these invasive species were purposely introduced of fish. And, you know, they've kind of overtaken a lot. And I'm like, That's, yeah. you know, why, why have we damaged something so beautiful? Yeah. Why did we ruin their ecosystem, you know, the natural ecosystem and everything? Yeah. And, you know, and like in New Zealand, they're, I think they're finally taking advantage of how much you know invasive species they they imported yeah uh, into the country because now like you're seeing all these you know rich americans and europeans go over there and hunt which like and they don't necessarily know what they have and you know they don't it's like you can go there and kill as many as you want because there's so many so much yeah but now i think now that they're recognizing that this is a this is a renewable resource that we can you know it we can make money off and it'll pay for the land that's the idea behind it yeah um and you know one of my dream trips is to go to hawaii and hunt axis deer with my bow which i heard is yeah. near impossible yeah so i'll take i'll be taking my rifle if i ever go yeah well uh, there's that recent uh show the gordon ramsay came out yeah yeah um to the hana area yeah and they went uh, shooting bull, and they, they he said right when he let go, like the deer was gone. Yeah, you know, they they heard that they heard that. Now yep. they're out of there, you know. Yeah, it, it's so. it's crazy how you know how they've adapted over time. Yeah, but yeah, it, to go there, like my so my uncle, he used to own. Uh, I don't know if he owned. I heard he leased uh, plantation land, and he grew uh, papaya, ulu. Oh, um entero or Kahlo. oh yeah yeah and okay. um so i we got to go out to maui one time to go check it out um but later on in like like i think it was because after i was married i was talking to him I was like hey can i come out there and hunt because i guess they have like they have a a, a wild pig problem because mm-hmm. they come and they tear up the, they tear everything up and they eat all the Kahlo and stuff he was like oh yeah yeah come like He's like the workers eat so much pig they're tired of it they give it away <laughs> they're tired of yeah it. um but yeah to go out there and just live off the like and it, that's where i come back to the connection with the land yeah and why i think you know native Hawa- native hawaiians have such a connection to it because it is theirs and because you know it was taken from them yeah and you know they see all this destruction like and this development that's going on and i was i was reading that you know people can't even people have been there for generations can't even afford to buy a house there oh yeah and yeah the median the median crazy the median price of the house is like uh almost a billion dollars now median (laughs) and so i'm like that it's sad because they're getting kicked off their own they're they're getting kicked out of their own their own i want to say state they're getting kicked off their own land and not like deliberately kicked off it's just that that's the market and then how, well maybe it is deliberate i don't know yeah. um and it's just it, it's just a sad thing to me to see because you kind of like what the united states did with native americans here yeah you know it's the different the story is no different with 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 uh the kanaka mali yeah. and you know it's something that should be rectified and i don't know if it ever will be because yeah, it's, you know and that's, that's that's the hard thing that's always the biggest question you know, is like how how will it be yeah um, and, and I think that's that's where that's where, that's where I always get my question in too is like we have a constant talk about like the overthrow and like the ceded lands being you know mismanaged and all that stuff. Um, 
and like I, like I said, like there are people way more educated than yeah. me in this this area. But my question is like, okay, so then what what is next then? You know, yeah. like we can we can talk about this this stuff, all of the the wrongdoings and the what happened in the past and what's happening now. But then, so what can be done? Yeah, you know, like um, and so that's always my question. What I'm always looking for and finding people who are like kind of having that future look you know like down the road yeah um of like what can we do in order to become more self-sustaining and all that different stuff like um i think daniel anthony is a, a, a great person to think about even if you can reach out to him too um mana i you know he's in the forefront for farmers for agriculture land yeah. and then bring, making sure that we're more self-sustaining and we don't have be so, so dependent on all the shipment coming in so that we can be fed yeah so you know, it's affordable to eat Yes, for everybody, you know, it's coming straight from the land. We have enough land to feed the people, but so why don't we? Uh, why, why don't they allow yeah. us? To, it should be to managed properly. Yeah, and exactly. Like they, um, so I follow, I started following a page. I think it's called Lakoi Fish Pond. So mm. like the the traditional way of like uh, aquaculture. Yeah, aquaculture. Yeah. Yeah. Super uh, like I've never heard about that before. And yeah. I was like, dude, this is awesome. I reached out to them. I haven't heard back yet, but that's you know, with with social media and youtube and all that you're, you're, i'm seeing a resurgence yeah of all time. this renewed interest into uh, uh native hawaiian practices and culture yeah and i think it's it, it's going to be a huge plus for for the community because they are getting their voices heard they're getting their story out there because if we didn't have that there's people that in the on the mainland that would have ne- that wouldn't even know something's going on yeah you know they they would just it's like oh we just go there for vacation that's it yeah we'll go there to have fun play yeah. around you know you know and, kind of stuff. you know I, I when i lived there you, you could see the people struggle you yeah. know there they, there's this beach encampment you can tell that you know they're struggling you know yeah. and even as a kid i was like that's not right this is this is their land and it was you know wrongfully taken from them but like you said, we gotta move forward, and you know we can we can keep on talking about all the the wrongs. But like I said, how do we correct it? Yeah, it's like I read this thing like I don't know who it was from. I don't exactly know if it's a. I I liked it because like history is not there to be hated or liked. It's there for us to learn. Learn, yeah. yeah. And I think that's totally the. Agree with that. I think that I think that's the biggest thing is we need to start you know learning from past mistakes, and that's the, that's why I you know what I've learned from getting a bachelor's degree in history, other than it's a useless degree (laughs) is that like, you know, we keep on repeating the same crap over and over and over again. We keep on, you know, putting people to the side and, you know, we have all these people that advocate for us, but all of a sudden when it's time to like do the real work, they disappear. Yeah. And I, and it goes back to um, what, what we're talking about having to have that reflection yeah you know having to go dig deep inside yourself and figure out okay what 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 is the necessary thing to do like what do i have to do um for me that people ask me like okay like what are you doing to help all the native hawaiian people because i mean the coup project over the over the course of a couple months have has got a lot of um attention um and I do get people asking like what are you doing like are you what are you doing to like better the native hawaiian community or to to build back the lahui and everything um for me i'm always a person who i feel like everyone's so stuck on a macro area yeah like all this stuff 
I'm more of a person who like, okay, let's start here first, and then let's work to there. So for me, is it starts at home. For me, it's always at home. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming a first, becoming a better human, better person, and then also taking care of the kuleana, your responsibility of your home, especially when you have kids, you know, keiki and everything. Uh, it's making sure that you're taking care of them, raising them to be good people as well, kind, you know, respectful. And that takes a lot of work. You know, it's it's easy to to kind of just be like, okay, well, I want to go off and just kind of do this macro thing. Yeah. But then you forget about what the foundation is all starting from, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I tell them, I'm, that's where I'm focusing first, you know? Like, and then the crew project is my way of reaching out to community. And then in hopes that it'll empower a community leader to continue to do the macro stuff that they've been doing, you know? Yeah. Because, like, yeah. That, can you look at the, the traditional diet? Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I've told the story of uh, Vanga Tungamala, who was a, a great, uh, I think he, he played for the All Blacks and he played for Manam Samoa, about how <laughs> when KFC came to New Zealand, he just gained so much weight because he was falling <laughs> off two to three buckets at a time. And I think, like, you know, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate the ability to go and get fast food. Yeah. It's not the healthiest thing for me. No. Yeah, but yeah. it's there. But getting back to why why I want to hunt and why you know eventually I want to grow my own garden, yeah. Because we need to you know um, benefit from yeah. the land. And I look at like what the traditional Hawaiian diet is, and it's healthy. Yeah, you know it's not um, you know when when you get all these fast food chains coming in. Hawaiian food, yeah. like mac salad, Terry beef, yeah. and chicken, <laughs> which I love. You. Which I love. Yeah. I love that. But I'm like talking like like McDonald's or yeah, like the the overly processed stuff. Like yeah. I'll never stop eating uh, Hawaiian barbecue. Never. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love my misubi. I love yeah. my mac salad. But like talking about like you know in Laie we'd go to McDonald's. When oh, we yeah, could have gone yeah. to like a local store and getting got some like regular like more yeah. healthier food, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know when fast food chains came, our people kind of like gravitated towards that. Yeah, because fast and we yeah. eat a lot. And <laughs> well, especially yeah. like I talk about like when you have somebody that immigrates from the islands to to the mainland. Um, whether it be from Samoa or Tonga or Tahiti or somewhere, yeah. I don't think they're ready for the fast-paced life that it is here. It's yeah. not the same. Um, that's why I love. That's like one of the reasons. Like I, I tell my friends, like I wouldn't have moved back to Hawaii because I wouldn't have accomplished anything because I loved it so much. <laughs> but like that, and, and that's not an, an exactly true statement, you know. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that move to the islands or that are there from the islands that are very productive. And I think that's like one of the misnomers that, oh, you're going to be there. It's going to be so laid back. You're going to just yeah. enjoy beach life. That's not the case because you still got to work. It's not, you still got to do something. Like I said, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not cheap to live. Yeah. But like when they come here, and I think that's, you know, we talk about health. And that's why, you know, obesity is such an issue in, our, in, in the Polynesian people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> gout. That yeah, like, the, yeah. The, the ancient... <laughs> The ancient yeah. disease, the gout, it's yeah. the gout, the gout, or like yeah. like high blood pressure, heart disease. Yeah. Um, like I lost four 
extended family members like i I didn't really know them that well i met them at my wedding and i've seen them periodically over the course of 10 years they they all lost their lives uh, when COVID hit because they weren't healthy and you know that and that's what really concerned me about my mother because she had very bad asthma Mm. and so we the whole promotion that you know we need to be healthier in order to maybe take on these these illnesses a little bit better um you know healthy life is something that's very important and with especially within the within the polynesian community because we have that reputation for living very non-healthy yeah and you know i think that's become from the westernization everything of our of our cultures you know um and and that's that's one thing i I try to help out with our community is being like okay like we have all this stuff you know like yes we can go back to our land eat the good food healthy food and everything but yeah we still are around all this stuff yeah um and and i try to be more like okay let's more realistic because fast food is not going to go anywhere yeah you know and we're still going to eat it but it's it's big it's having that uh, mindful connection to it you know yeah of what we're consuming how we feel when we consume it that's kind of the biggest thing i was is like okay how do you feel when you consume it how do you feel after you consume it? You know, and then you start thinking, and then you got to selfie. It's all that re- back to the reflection yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, after I eat all this food, I kind of like not productive the rest of the day. Yeah. So you say, like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't be eating that much. You know, yeah. you can still eat it, but maybe not eat that much. You know, like um, I have the, the, one of the, one of the few Samoan things about me is the appetite where we, we eat until we get tired. Yeah. Like we're full, but you know, we keep eating and eating and eating. And then yeah. like, oh man, I need to take a nap. Yeah. But yeah. And then, and then the rest of the day, you're kind of like lounging around, you know. And that's it. Just becomes a a cycle, basically. Yeah. Uh, but I do love like so like I do love Hawaiian barbecue. We have a place here in Utah called Mobetas, and I I interviewed the uh, one of the owners um, a while ago, and I was like, it's that comfort food, you know. Yeah. It's what comforts you. We all grew you. up with it. Yeah, yeah, we all grew up with it, and it's not going yeah. away. And. No. <laughs> That's one of the things, like, dude, I'll eat Mobetas three, four times a week if I can. <laughs> I don't, like, that's the thing. It's, it's how do you feel afterwards. Like, yeah. I don't feel horrible afterwards because, you know, now that I'm getting older, I'm 38. I I don't have the same metabolism I did when I was 20. Yeah. Like, before, yeah. I could eat two whole pizzas and be fine. But now, if I eat, like, two slices, I feel like crap. Like, yeah. Like, uh like when I go to Mobetas, I get like a two plate and then I save half of it for later. Or if yeah. I haven't ate all day, I'll just down it. Yeah. Um, be, that's, like, that, that's good for the day. You know, like yeah. I'm good. Right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, uh, dang, we've been going for an hour, so, um, I'll wrap it up and then I'll link everything for the coup project in the show notes. Uh, thank you guys for joining us.